Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It was a chilly night in February 2007 when soldiers guarding the nuclear storage facility at Nellis Air Force Base, known as Area 2, saw something odd through their binoculars. It was early in the morning around 2.30 a.m. when they called in a radio transmission reporting unusual lights spotted nearby. They told the Central Security Office that what they were seeing appeared to be vehicle headlights about a mile or two away from the base. Since Area 2 was detached from Nellis Air Force Base, it was common for hikers and ATV enthusiasts to stumble across the facility accidentally, and it was presumed that these were just civilians passing through. But still, the chances of a terrorist attack or some other threat could not be ignored. Patrols Oscar 1 and Oscar 2 were sent to overwatch positions where they could spy on whoever it was without being noticed. The two patrol teams were told not to engage with any civilian vehicle unless they got too close to the base, in which case they would follow standard operating procedure and would tell the people to turn around, explaining that they were entering an off-limits area. One of the teams, Oscar 1, confirmed they saw a pair of headlights coming down a nearby mountain, heading in their direction. Back at the base, Two additional patrol groups gathered near the perimeter along with their supervisor. Eleven Air Force personnel were standing at the fence, watching the lights, when suddenly the glowing orbs blinked out and disappeared. Oscar One was instructed to head towards the location where the lights were headed to intercept them. Another team with a canine officer was also dispatched to the location, where an observation point was established in the desert they were all watching and waiting, hoping to catch a glimpse of whatever was trying to evade them. Whoever it was, they seemed to know they were being watched. If it was a car, as everyone had previously assumed, it looked as if the driver had turned off their headlights in order to disappear into the night. The guards of the Oscar One patrol group sat waiting silently, their ears listening carefully for an approaching vehicle. The desert was quiet and still, with no indication of an SUV or an ATV headed their way, when suddenly the radio crackled to life and a voice began to speak to the patrol group, telling them something terrifying. Back at the base, soldiers with binoculars were positioned on top of buildings, 
and were watching the patrol group in the desert. They said they saw three lights now instead of two, and they were close, encircling the group of men in the 12 o'clock, nine o'clock, and three o'clock positions. The Oscar One patrol group was startled, responding that they couldn't see anything from where they were, but the soldiers back at base insisted that there were bright lights near them, and they were getting closer and closer, moving steadily towards them. Oscar One. The site security supervisor called out over the radio. Be advised, the lights are moving on you. The three pulsing lights suddenly rushed in towards the soldiers, and the commanding officer instructed the men to lock and load as they moved back towards their vehicles. Their hearts in their throats, the three men held up their M4 rifles and prepared to fire on their unknown attackers. With their fingers on the triggers, they waited for what was coming for them, imagining stealth drones with laser-guided rockets or terrorists with AK-47s and blinding white lights attached to their gun barrels. What happened next is disputed between the two groups. Those inside the perimeter of Area 2 saw one thing, while the patrol group saw another. Back at base, those watching said they saw the three lights zoom in towards the men, and then they disappeared. When they tried to call the Oscar One patrol on the radio, there was no response for a long, long time. Watching the men through the binoculars, it looked as if they were frozen out there, just standing quietly in the cold desert as time passed by. The men in the desert said they never saw anything after being warned of the lights moving towards them. Not only that, but they returned to base believing the encounter had only lasted for a few minutes. They saw no lights, but they did have radio trouble, attempting multiple channels before finally getting through to base. The security supervisor told the Oscar One patrol guards that there were some discrepancies with their story. They had been standing out there for 20 minutes or more, blankly watching the lights they claimed to have never seen. And not only that, but the guards at the base had also lost all radio contact during that time. Oscar One Patrol had no memory of the lost time and didn't understand how that could be possible. So, what exactly happened that night? And why did the patrol guards lose 15 minutes of time that they don't remember? Were the soldiers and the Oscar One Patrol visited by something supernatural? Was this event so disturbing that they mentally blocked it out? Or did the group of men decide purposefully not to talk about what happened? Even more frightening is the possibility that they really did encounter something and it wiped their memory banks clean, so they were unable to tell anyone their story. This is just one of many examples of UFO sightings at nuclear facilities. Sightings at Nellis Air Force Base and the nuclear storage facility at Area 2 represent just a small piece of the pie, and there are plenty of others. So what is the explanation for these mysterious phenomena? Are these lights really visitors from another world, looking to see how we use our primitive knowledge of atom splitting? Or are the UFOs in the sky actually foreign government drones spying on American nuclear interests and trying to steal precious military secrets? What do the skeptics say about these events? And what sort of evidence is out there to support the eyewitness accounts of what happened? Today on They're Out There, we'll be exploring the UFO nuclear connection. And for the first time ever, we're hoping to get to the bottom of these seemingly unexplainable phenomena. As we look to find out when it comes to UFOs, 
What exactly is the nuclear connection? Part 1. Area 50 what? February 2007 was not the first time that UFOs were spotted at Nellis Air Force Base, nor would it be the last. For those who don't know, Nellis Air Force Base complex is huge, encompassing 12,700 miles of airspace. That's a little bigger than the state of Maryland. It was, and still is, used for military testing and training facilities, including the Atomic Energy Commission's nuclear detonation tests, which were done during the Cold War. In addition to Area 2, Nellis Air Force Base is home to another hotbed of UFO activity, Groom Lake, the highly classified facility within the Nevada Test and Training Range, or, as it is more commonly known, Area 51. The unparalleled secrecy of Area 51 has made it a topic of frequent focus for conspiracy theorists and Hollywood science fiction movie makers alike. Bolstered by the fact that the CIA didn't publicly acknowledge the existence of the base until June 25, 2013, following a Freedom of Information Act request in 2005. Documents were then declassified, which detailed the purpose of the top secret facility, which by that point was no longer very secret. Testing of highly advanced military aircraft was the focus of Area 51, as the public would come to find out after decades of speculation. The array of different high-tech planes which were flown there over the years included the U-2 spy plane, the A-12, D-21, and later the F-117 stealth fighter bomber. Each made history for each era when they were designed. UFO skeptics point to these high-tech fighter jet programs as being the obvious answer to the long-asked question, what's really happening at Area 51? It turns out, according to experts, people weren't seeing little green men for all those years. They were seeing the newest advances in aerospace technology. And the birds which flew over Area 51 did not look like the ones people were used to. All you need to do is search the internet for pictures of the F-117, and you could imagine the reaction of a layperson upon seeing the futuristic outline of it sailing quietly through the sky, high up above, especially in the early years of its development. It would resemble something not of this world, and most people back then would assume that it was. For most who can remember when it first came out, the design of the F-117 stealth jet seen in movies like Broken Arrow, looked like captured alien technology, re-engineered for human purposes. It isn't a stretch to imagine people mistaking it for a UFO at first, before it became public knowledge that it existed. A popular mechanics article talking about the amazing work done over the years at Area 51 summed up this sentiment in their headline. The real story behind the myth of Area 51, the article was called, there might not be aliens at America's most famous top-secret military base, but what is there is just as interesting. For all the myths and legends, what's true is that Area 51 is very real and still very active, the article goes on to explain. The forbidden aspect of Area 51 is what makes people want to know what's there, and there sure is a lot going on there. The article goes on to talk about the testing of various planes, like the U-2 reconnaissance aircraft during the Cold War, and the other planes which were tested at Area 51 following that. 
Could this be the explanation for the lights in the sky that the soldiers saw at Nellis Air Force Base at Area 2 as well? Were they really seeing test planes being flown a distance away from the notorious Area 51? It wouldn't account for the time lapse and for those mysterious missing 15 minutes. But it is possible that the patrolmen just misjudged the time. In high adrenaline situations, it is possible for time to feel as if it is passing very quickly. And the soldiers in the Oscar One patrol were definitely on edge that night. Let's take a look at what other UFO sightings have been reported near nuclear facilities to see if there are any further clues as to what might be causing these mysterious lights. One thing is for sure, plenty of unanswered questions remain when it comes to the encounter witnessed by over a dozen trained guards at Nellis Air Force Base in February 2007. And we may never know the answers to those elusive questions. Part two, UFOs and ICBMs. There is perhaps nothing in the world more terrifying than the idea of an intercontinental ballistic missile or ICBM. These apocalypse machines can travel great distances and can carry on board multiple thermonuclear warheads, each of which is capable of striking its own independent target. Russia, China, the USA, France, India, and the UK are the only nations on Earth who have the capability of launching these life-ending hell missiles. And most sane people would argue that such things should never have been made to exist in the first place. UFO sightings centered around ICBMs have been abundant. Perhaps this is further proof that aliens really are checking up on us, ensuring that we're not destroying ourselves with our own weapons, like children playing with matches in a dry forest. Or maybe these sightings are further evidence that the UFOs being seen are foreign government aircrafts, like drones or spy planes, monitoring their enemies' capabilities. Former Canadian Defence Minister Paul Hellyer spoke to the National Press Club two years ago about UFO sightings and transparency. The universe is teeming with life, he said to some raised eyebrows, but to eventual applause. The fact that some civilizations may be more advanced than us can be humbling. This highly respected diplomat believes that alien civilizations are concerned about nuclear weapons because they have seen what they can do firsthand. He says that on this planet and on other planets, species have used nuclear weapons and destroyed their planets as habitable places. Perhaps these UFOs are humans from the distant future or aliens from distant galaxies, observing us in order to avert disaster at the last moment. History has certainly shown that human beings are far more trustworthy when it comes to these things, after all. Five Mile Island, Chernobyl, and the near-world-ending disaster that could have resulted from the Bay of Pigs. How many times has humanity slipped the noose at the last possible second, averting death by nuclear annihilation? There have been multiple sightings of UFOs at ICBM launch and storage facilities, and dozens of such instances were reported throughout the Cold War, as the world was on edge and unsure of what would happen next between the USA and the USSR. People imagined two men on opposite sides of the planet with their sweaty, 
shaking fingers hovering over red buttons which would cast the world into eternal darkness, sending hundreds of millions more to their graves in an instant. If those watching for missiles saw anything in the sky that weren't there, it would be hard to blame them. But the specificity of the stories and the multiple eyewitness accounts of each individual event would seem to show that there really was something going on. There really were lights appearing over nuclear bases all over America throughout the Cold War. And more and more people are beginning to speak up about it, no longer afraid of their superiors and what might happen if they don't stay quiet. A year ago, it was reported by former U.S. Air Force officers that roughly 70 years ago, they witnessed multiple unidentified flying objects over nuclear bases. The men said that the sightings of these aerial phenomena coincided exactly with the sudden shutdown of the Intercontinental Ballistic Missile System at their facility. This would seem to suggest that whoever was flying those unidentified aircrafts managed to disable the ICBM capabilities from above. The group of retired Air Force officers requested an official investigation after bringing this to the National Press Club's attention, saying they had been ignored when they told their superior officers of what they saw in 1964. This wouldn't be the last time mysterious forces interceded to potentially stop a nuclear apocalypse. There were multiple instances during the Cold War when reports like this made their way through the chain of command to military higher-ups. It wasn't until recently that these extraordinary events were exposed to the public, as multiple retired military officers have come forward in recent years to talk about other events which they were too scared to talk about in their younger days. Part three, missile bunkers and little green men. It was March 24, 1967. Captain Robert Salas was on duty with his commander, Fred Mywall, stationed in a missile launch bunker 20 meters underground in Montana. From their position, they were in control of 10 nuclear missiles, each with an 800 kiloton nuclear warhead on board. For reference, each one of those has enough firepower to destroy all of New York City and its surrounding boroughs. And this was just one bunker. In 1967, the USA was at its peak production of nuclear weapons, as the arms race had just reached a critical juncture. There were more than 31,000 nuclear weapons in the USA at that moment, and the USSR was trying desperately to keep up, building more bombs by the day. If a superior intelligence were watching us at that moment, they might have been getting very concerned for our future prospects. Back to Captain Salas and his commander in the bunker, it was their job to launch those 10 nuclear warheads if ordered to do so. They were committed to turning their keys and hitting the proverbial big red button if told to do so. It was the early morning hours and the sun had not yet risen. Captain Salas was at his control station post while his commander was taking a short nap break. The phone rang and a frantic voice began to scream at Captain Salas. The guard at the front gate of the facility was calling for backup, telling Captain Salas that there was a glowing red orb hovering outside of the front gate. The man sounded terrified and described the red orb as moving like nothing he had ever seen before. 
They were moving very fast across the sky. Captain Salas says about the event, talking to Science Channel documentary filmmakers. Stopping on a dime, reversing on a dime, making 90 degree angle turns, making no noise. This would be terrifying enough as it was, but something even more disturbing was about to happen below ground in the nuclear missile launch bunker. One of the most secure places in the entire world was about to be breached by unknown forces. Captain Salas ran to wake his commander when suddenly alarms began to sound throughout the bunker. All of the lights went from green to red, Captain Salas said of the event. In other words, red meaning unlaunchable. It turned out that all 10 missiles had been totally incapacitated. If the order was received at that moment to launch a nuclear strike, they would have been unable to. America's nuclear shield had been compromised. At the same time, another missile crew at Maelstrom Base reported the same occurrence, indicating that their nuclear warheads were also out of commission. Not only that, but they reported seeing the same mysterious glowing red lights just outside the base. All 10 of their missiles went down while a UFO was overhead, Captain Salas said in disbelief, even now, 65 years later. All 10 of our missiles went down and there was a UFO immediately over our facility. The weapons at both bases were out of commission for nearly 24 hours. This was extraterrestrial. I firmly believe that, Robert Salas says of the event. This wasn't the first UFO scare at a nuclear bunker, and it wouldn't be the last. In 1948, green fireballs were seen over atomic laboratories in Los Alamos and Sandia, New Mexico. This is where the atomic bomb was developed and tested. One declassified report talks about flying saucers measuring nearly 50 feet near the Los Alamos laboratories. According to many who worked there, UFO activity was commonplace in that area around those days. So much so that some people were actually assigned to watch and document the occurrences. In the 60s and 70s, there were more sightings at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana, a facility which stored nuclear-tipped intercontinental ballistic missiles. One night in particular was a huge scare. F-106 interceptors were sent on an emergency call from Malmstrom Air Force Base in response to a report of multiple UFOs which were spotted near missile sites. There were other similar incidents in Northern Maine, Michigan, and North Dakota. No one could figure out what caused the lights to be spotted in the sky, and no one could understand the phantom radar signals cast by these aircraft or how they could operate in the way that they did. Other occurrences were documented throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s throughout the Cold War. A Royal Air Force base in Bentwaters, England was used as a nuclear weapons stash by the USA during that period. In December 1980, air traffic controllers spotted something on radar that made no sense. Ivan Barker, a USA Air Force air traffic controller who worked that night said he had never seen anything move at such an incredible speed. It had to be moving Mach 5, 6, 7, or 8, he told History Channel documentary filmmakers, faster than anything other than possibly a missile. He was understandably concerned when he saw something moving that fast on his radar screen. That was when he looked up and saw the craft directly. 
It moved into close range and slowed, then stopped over the base's water tower, hovering and remaining perfectly still. It was about 1,500 and 2,000 feet high. The thing was at least a city block in diameter. He described it as looking like an enormous basketball with portholes around the center. Light shone outward from its circumference as it spun in the air. Then it reversed backwards and sped back the way it had come in. Barker says he never reported the event to his superiors since he knew what they did to people who reported these types of phenomena. You don't understand what the Air Force did to people who reported UFOs, he said, looking back at those days. So what exactly caused all of these strange lights and odd aircraft appearances over nuclear missile silos? Were we being watched by visitors from above, trying to ensure we didn't obliterate ourselves with nuclear weapons? Anything is possible, and we may never know the full truth, as these events occurred long before the advent of cell phone cameras and other technology, which allowed these sightings to be recorded and dissected, as skeptics are able to do now. Still, it's hard to imagine so many independent events being fraudulent or mistaken. So what exactly is up there, watching us from the sky? Part four, lights out at the nuclear plant. We've looked at nuclear testing facilities, storage silos, and ICBMs being shut down by unknown forces. But what about nuclear energy? Have the UFOs been spotted near nuclear power plants? The answer is a resounding yes. And not only that, but they have been present at some of the most historic moments in the history of nuclear energy, mostly at historically bad times. Chernobyl, for example, is widely considered to be the worst nuclear disaster in history. But the scientific consensus is that it could have been much, much worse. In the early morning hours of April 26, 1986, at Chernobyl nuclear power plant, near the city of Pripyat in northern Ukraine, Two loud booms could be heard, even from a great distance. A mishap during a test caused two explosions which took out Chernobyl Reactor Unit 4. Two employees died on the spot, with nearly 30 more perishing over the next few months. The long-term estimates are disputed, but roughly 16,000 to 27,000 people worldwide are estimated to be killed due to cancer and other after-effects from the event in the long term. The meltdown released 400 times as much radioactive fallout as Hiroshima. Who knows how much worse it might have been, though? Some suggest the disaster could have wiped out all of Europe if a chain reaction had occurred in a worst-case scenario. So, what was it that stopped such an event from happening? During the disaster, technicians reported observing a fiery sphere, orange in color, like brass, hovering close to the Unit 4 reactor during the worst period of the fire. This was roughly three hours after the initial explosion. According to the technicians, two bright red rays projected out from the hovering orange sphere, directed at the damaged reactor. After hovering there for around three minutes, the UFO disappeared, sailing off towards the northwest. Before the brass-colored sphere appeared, Radiation levels were reading 3,000 millirentgens per hour. And after the UFO left the readings, 
showed 800 millirentgens per hour. This would seem to indicate that the beams of light cast by the UFO somehow decreased the radiation level. It was as if whoever was controlling that orb of orange light were trying to prevent the catastrophic event from getting even more out of hand. According to researchers, the incidences of UFO sightings in countries with nuclear capabilities is 44% more likely. And UFO sightings do happen more frequently in close proximity to nuclear sites as a general rule. So, why aren't government agencies taking steps to protect our nuclear sites from these threats? Aren't they afraid of the potential for disaster after hearing the types of stories mentioned above? One has to wonder if these UFOs are extraterrestrial or if they are foreign governments spying on American nuclear interests. The other possibility is that these events are explainable natural phenomena and that the government has chosen to accept the skeptical arguments until further proof can be obtained of something supernatural. So, what exactly are the skeptics' arguments against UFOs relating to the cases we've talked about? Part 5. Salazar and the Skeptics It is hard to explain the stories of all these honorable men who served in the U.S. military and saw things they cannot explain. But some people do disbelieve what they saw and say these events never really happened. Skeptics say these men are reinventing history, inserting details that never really happened to make their Cold War stories more interesting. Sitting in a bunker can be pretty boring, after all. Why not spice it up with a story about glowing lights in the sky? Those with little faith in UFO sightings are quick to jump to the conclusion that all of these stories are outright fabrications when it is possible they are explainable phenomena that we should investigate. Many of these events happened upwards of 50 years ago, and some of the things described, like the events talked about by Robert Salas, were revealed to the public in 2022 when he testified to Congress. Retired Air Force Captain Robert Salas told Congress his story about the glowing red orb which appeared outside the Gates and Malmstrom Air Force Base, Montana in 1967. In May 2022, he sat before Democrats and Republicans and explained how the strange UFO had shut down the highly defended station's nuclear capabilities. A Republican congressman went on to make startling calls on Pentagon officials following the testimony. He said a recently leaked document revealed that alien vehicles and possibly even extraterrestrial bodies were being stored and kept from the eyes of the public. The document was later revealed to reporters, but its provenance could never be 100% verified. Following his testimony, skeptics called Salazar a conspiracy theorist. Others called him a liar. There are transcripts online of interviews with Salazar's superior, who was with him that night, where he says he doesn't remember any of what Salazar described happening. He denies any knowledge of the nukes being shut down and put in a no-go state. But shortly after that, he goes on to mention non-disclosure agreements and how it wouldn't be wise to talk about certain things. We don't really know for sure if Salazar is telling the truth, but many have come to his defense, calling him an honorable man with a distinguished military history. 
Plenty of U.S. government and intelligence officials have also come forward recently, saying there are far more UFO sightings than the public is aware of, and that proof of those sightings is locked deep in the bowels of the Pentagon. Senator Harry Reid, intelligence officer Luis Elizondo, and numerous other highly respected government officials have recently made a point of putting their reputation and credibility on the line and calling for the real stockpile of UFO evidence held by the Pentagon to be released to the public. So far, those pieces of evidence have been few and far between, as the U.S. government has had little interest in sharing its resources with the public. The recent Pentagon UFO videos, showing footage from U.S. Navy aircraft carriers in 2004 and 2014, are proof that the Department of Defense is more than capable of possessing this type of footage and locking it away for no one else to see. What we do know, after sifting through the stories related to UFO sightings at nuclear facilities, is that there are a lot of these events, more than we have time to explore in today's podcast. And there has to be a reason for all of these sightings. How can we discount the eyewitness stories of so many people who were actually there? Mikhail Varitsky, a senior official with the Dosimetry Control Department, was at Chernobyl and saw the ball of fire above Reactor 4. He published a statement about the event in UFOs, Guests from the Future, by V. Gritokville. We saw a ball of fire, he said. It was slowly flying in the sky. I think the ball was six or eight meters in diameter. Then we saw two rays of crimson light stretching towards the fourth unit. The object was some 300 meters from the reactor. The event lasted for about three minutes. The lights of the object went out and it flew away in the northwestern direction. He talked about the drop in radiation levels afterwards and said it probably saved them from an even more catastrophic disaster. The UFO brought the radiation level down, he explained. The level was decreased almost four times. This probably prevented a nuclear blast. Whatever we think we know today, these events were often experienced by more than one person. And the stories are often corroborated and verified by multiple eyewitnesses. It's difficult to find any scientifically based skeptical argument against these accounts online. Most debates devolve quickly into online shouting matches, calling people like Salazar a liar and saying his supporters are fools for believing him. But far more articles can be found talking about these events and outlining the veracity of these claims made by so many men and women in uniform. One day we might find out for sure what the UFO connection to nuclear technology really is whether they are aliens trying to steer us from annihilation or drones sent to spy on us by hostile powers. But one thing is for sure, they're out there.